Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo. And of course, I'll be joined by my partner in crime, Harley Schultz. And I can't wait to talk to Harley because we've got almost basically a full slate of week one games um, that we're able to talk about here. So Harley, how's it going, man? It's going good. And realistically, we would have had a full slate of uh, week one games, if not for uh, a little bit of weather terrorism forcing the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Miami Dolphins to postpone their game to week 11. Yes, that is true. I, that's something that, as a commissioner, you can't really have something ready for when something like that happens. And, and honestly, it's got to be tough because, you know, Jay Cutler was a late ad by some people. You've got Jay Ajahi that people were planning on starting Winston. People may not be carrying two quarterbacks. And, and I tried to put my head around, is there something that we should do or just let it be a Week 11 game? And I think the easy answer is let it be a Week 11 game. It really is. Uh, the only issue now is how will that affect both of those teams to play 16 consecutive weeks? Yep. That's something to keep in mind also, especially when we're bearing down in the fantasy playoffs. If you have any of those running backs from those teams, especially Doug Martin will be a little fresher because he'll have a four week hiatus. Um, well, he, he might be out of a job by week five too. So that's possible. Okay. Well, look, Maybe he'll be the running back in Arizona. <laughs> Don't say that. I curse you. I curse you. I had the number one pick, and I have David Johnson, and I'm not happy about it. Yes, okay, forget it. Now, you know what? Now I'm going to begrudgingly throw it over to you for this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Scott Tolzien and Tom Savage both showed so rottenly week one that neither survived the full game. Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson replaced them respectively, and each got their stagnant offenses into gear, despite both games being well out of hand at the time. At this point, neither team has named a starter for Week 2, but after Tolzien and Savage were ragdolled repeatedly by the opposition, thanks mainly to shoddy offensive line play, it is safe to assume that neither one of them wants to be the starter anymore. <laughs> David Johnson sustained an injury to his wrist week one, which leaves his availability for the immediate future in doubt. If he is forced to miss most of the season, the Cardinals could trade for Jeremy Hill or Matt Forte to man their backfield. There is also a chance that they could bring back Chris Johnson. As it sits right now, Kerwin Williams is listed as the number one running back in Arizona going forward. But frankly, Watching Kerwin Williams run is almost as boring as watching paint dry. <laughs> In other news, Ellen Robinson sustained an ACL injury ending his season after just one reception. Of course, with Blake Bortles wobbling ducks his general direction, there was no guarantee that Robinson would have caught another pass this year anyways. <laughs> Despite his looming specter of suspension, Ezekiel Elliott played and performed magnificently against the rival Giants Sunday night. 
Elliott ended up with 140 total yards, but he failed to score a touchdown, leaving his owners mildly disappointed. The Cowboys actually had a great opportunity to get Zeke a touchdown by setting the ball up at the Giants' three-yard line first and ten in the first half. Instead, the Cowboys decided to unsuccessfully attempt three consecutive passes from that spot. After the game, a BPN News analyst attempted to get an interview with Dallas Offensive Coordinator Scott Linehan about that play series, only to be informed by team personnel that Linehan was fired last week and that the new offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel, was not available for comment. <laughs> and finally, Jared Goff posted a career-high 306 yards passing this week against an injury-depleted and generally untalented Indianapolis Colts defense. In related news, the clock just struck 12, he cannot find one of his shoes, and Josh Norman is not Prince Charming. This has been your BPN News Update. Good job. Hey, there was a ton of quarterback play that I figured you could have pulled from, that's for sure. Um, week one, offense is definitely behind defenses. It's going to happen. I think offenses just don't see enough snaps during the preseason. Everyone's concerned about keeping their players healthy. And uh, it's, it's just a matter of uh, keeping them healthy during the preseason. That means they may be a little bit rusty. Case in point, a guy like Le'Veon Bell. And then there's also the other end of the spectrum that maybe they're not playing enough in the preseason to not be rusty. Who knows? Um, tell you what, I'd like to do something a little different for this episode. Before we get into our um, DFS segment where we pay up, stay away, and value plays, let's do something that we call, what do you want to call it? Let's say um, trends or mirage. How's that? Okay, sounds good to me. So I'm going to give you, I don't know, four or five scenarios, and you tell me if what we saw is a trend that we'll see going forward or a mirage. That sounds like a great way to get some insight into some of the first week action. Okay, let's talk offense in the AFC East. I'm not talking the Jets. I'm not talking the Bills. I'm talking New England Patriots. So you want to know if that's the offense we're going to see from them the rest of the season? Tom didn't look good. Is that a trend or a mirage? Well, realistically, I think that things are going to look better next week, and we'll talk about that a little bit in DFS later on. But what I'm concerned about the most is that Tom Brady has historically performed his worst when Julian Edelman has not been on the field. So I'm a little concerned that unless he can develop a solid enough rapport with another receiver running those uh, cross patterns like that, that Edelman is known to do running those short uh, sort of hook back pit, uh, pitch plays, uh, short yardage, pass catches, catch the ball yards after catch. I, I just think that he is going to be in trouble uh, the rest of the season in terms of getting comfortable. Again, he's got familiarity with Chris Hogan, but both Chris Hogan and Brandon cooks are both field stretchers. Malcolm Mitchell maybe could end up being that slot guy. Danny Amendola played a lot of snaps first week, probably more than I think anyone thought he would play. Uh, I just, I'm a little concerned that we're going to see at least a downgrade for Brady the rest of the season. And at the very least, it, it, I mean, you're not going to get first round Brady. Well, here's what my biggest concern is with the Patriots. They, after all, they did score almost, what was it, 27, 28 points. Um, that defense. 
the defense is not going to help that offense at all from the looks of it right now. So if the defense can't get off the field, that means Brady can't get on the field. He, yeah, he had a sub-50% completion percentage, all that kind of stuff. But my concern right now is that defense and what can Bill do to fix it. Um, last year they were, you know, lauded for, you know, getting rid of Jamie Collins and getting what they got for him. But right now it looks like they sure as heck could use somebody like that. Well, was it Hightower that was injured early yes. on in the game? And it yes. really seemed like after he was out that uh, that defense was left without a, uh, a field general or a leader. Yes, his loss was big and key also. All right, let's move on to another one. Um, a guy that's probably on most waiver wires, he's only on one out of all the leagues I'm in, though, believe it or not, is Tariq Cohen, a trend or a mirage? Well, I'm a little torn on Tariq Cohen because – if you're playing in a dynasty or an empire format, I think there's definitely value in having Tariq Cohen on your team. He's definitely capable of being a pass-catching back. But seriously, right now, Chicago Bears are still a work in progress on offense. We don't know how many points they're going to put up on a week-to-week basis. And they're facing a fairly awful Atlanta defense yesterday. So there's no guarantee that Cohen will put on performances like that in every game he plays. Uh, in addition, if something were to happen to Jordan Howard, Cohen really isn't built to be a back to carry the ball 25, 30 times a game. So if he does get the chance to be the 1A option for them, he'll probably get 15 or so touches a game. But is that enough to count on him producing those sort of stats each week? Probably not. I, I think that you're rostering Cohen if you have Howard as a handcuff. But in reality... He's not going to be a true handcuff. He's probably going to be more of the Tevin Coleman to uh, Jordan Howard's Devontae Freeman than player that you can expect to produce uh, running back one number should something happen to Howard. Yeah, I saw a comp um, yesterday on Twitter. I'd say who it was if I could remember, but I can't. And it was pretty much Darren Sproles-like is what they they comped him to. And Mm -hmm. where I think his value comes in, is the fact that the Bears just have nothing at wide receiver, and they may have lost Kevin White for the season. Um, they did. Okay. So, yeah, you lose him. So now it's like he's a great pass-catching back that that offense needs. So I think him and Howard are going to see plenty of time together on the field. So he's going to have some standalone value in PPR leagues. In PPR leagues, I definitely think he needs to be rostered. Although I actually received a couple questions via Twitter today already how much of my free agent budget I should spend on Tariq Cohen and uh, – uh, realistically, again, if it, if you're in a dynasty league, I can understand maybe throwing 30 or so percent at him based on the fact that he does have PPR value and he will have PPR value going forward. But again, if you're in a if you're in a single season or a redraft league, I, I'm not sure how much value he's going to have unless it is indeed a PPR format. Yeah, and you know what? Those percentages, it doesn't matter what we think they should go for. It only takes one person. And if you want to win a guy like that because you want just you know everybody's going to be in on him, you've got to overpay. But that's beside the point. All right, here's another one. Yeah, so, someone in your league is going to spend fifty percent for him. How about Le'Veon Bell? That that is a mirage to me. Uh, it, it was clear that he was rusty. Uh, it was a, an all-out sellout by Cleveland with their fairly miserable defense as it was to try to stop Le'Veon Bell in that first game. You could tell that factor because Antonio Brown was oftentimes left completely uncovered with no one on the TV screen with him. I mean, there were he had 10-yard separation constantly during this game. 
That's because they were really doing everything in their power to stop Bell. A combination of a rusty Bell along with an offense that looked a little bit predictable by the Steelers and an offense that the Steelers just don't do that great on the road. Or, I mean, Bell is probably the one guy you feel safe with on the road. He's going to have clunkers occasionally. I think this is the first time, but not the last time he's going to have a clunker this year. But I think he'll be just fine going forward. I agree. All right, this one here, the Colts offense. It, it all comes down to uh, to one man and one man only, and that's Andrew Luck. Uh, I, Jacoby Brissett looked serviceable when he came in. He led the team uh, on a touchdown uh, long pass to uh, Dante Moncrief, who was completely invisible with Scott Tolzien behind the helm. Uh, Tolzien is not a capable backup. Tolzien is arguably not even deserving of a third quarterback job in this league right now. So ultimately, it really comes down to how soon are they going to be able to get Jacoby Brissett on the field and how productive is he going to be? And if he can't get on the field, how soon can Andrew Luck get back on the field? If Luck is back by week six, the team has a chance to do something. If Luck isn't back until later in the season, this team could be in for a long season, especially if Brissett cannot produce. We're talking about downgrading guys like T.Y. Hilton down to wide receiver three status. Dante Moncrief, borderline flex play at best. I'm even concerned about Frank Gore and Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack outplayed Frank Gore in the first week there uh, slightly, but neither one of those guys is a safe play until we see next week whether or not they put Jacoby Brissett behind center and how he performs. Yeah, I think all those guys are right now just hold. Don't overreact. Don't ever overreact to week one. But you can't do anything with them confidently going into week two or three, probably. All right, um, let's go to one more here. How about Christian McCaffrey? Mirage or Trend? 13 rushes, 5 catches, 18 total touches. I'm going to be sneaky here and call this a Mirage, just because I think those numbers are going to be flipped most of the season. We're going to see fewer rushes and more receptions for McCaffrey. Obviously, their goal is to get the ball into his hands as many different ways as possible. And when he gets the ball in his hands, he's got a chance to be uh, a very special, special athlete, special performer for that team. He, he is going to be huge this season, particularly in a PPR format. So here's what I'm going to say. I think that people don't realize, they say, oh, he should get 15 to 20 touches a game when they talk about anybody. Um, 18 touches a game is the equivalent of 288 touches for the season. I think that's a little high. I think we're going to see him in that 225 to 250 range. But I agree with you. I think we'll see less rushes, more involvement in the passing game. I don't think he's going to be as reliable as a running back one, as people think. But he should be a solid running back two in PPR formats. All right, I'm going to throw one more at you. So we're in the third quarter of the first game tonight. The Denver Broncos have not played yet, meaning they have not scored. Denver offense, trend or mirage with no points on the board? (laughs) You know, as a Chiefs fan, I wish that I could say – that's going to be a trend, but uh, they'll score a few points this year. Uh, obviously, they scored a few points last year with uh, Trevor Simeon at the helm. He's got one more year of game uh, film uh, for himself under, I shouldn't say game film of him, but he, he's got one more year of game experience. So he can't be any worse than he was last year, or can he? He can't be, he can't be worse <laughs> than Scott Tolzien. We'll leave it at that. No but- one can be worse than Scott Tolzien. Scott Tolzien could probably be worse than Scott Tolzien. That's true. Tom Savage might be worse than Tom Scott Tolzien. I don't know. All right. I, I wouldn't go that far. Okay. Yeah, that's true. That's pushing it. That's an insult to 
Tom Savage. All right, let's get into DFS. We're about halfway through the show, so we're going to rush. Not rush, but we're going to run through some stuff here. Um, no need to recap. People will tell us if we did good or bad last, last week, that's for sure. Um, Jared Goff, that's all I've got to say. Jared Goff, Cooper Cup, L.A. Rams defense, those guys uh, helped me. I, I mentioned to our listeners last week about a brand-new uh, DFS game available uh, courtesy of Fanball. Uh, their top tournament uh, this past week was a $20 entry tournament. Finished fifth in it, uh, Sunday-only tournament, uh, thanks mainly to uh, my trio of L.A. Rams. There you go. All right, let's start off with the quarterback position this week. Um, actually, we, we, we said we were going to talk a little bit about quarterbacks, but we don't have to. Um, just tell people right now, go look at the top 12 quarterbacks in your league after week one, barring the Monday night stuff. Just take a look at it. Zero quarterback in full effect. Sam Bradford's going to join that top 12 tonight at two, I think. Which will knock, uh, I believe, Aaron Rodgers probably out of it. So just, it is what it is. All right, who are you paying up for this this week? This week I'm going to pay up for a guy we talked about a little bit a little bit ago, and that's Tom Brady going against this New, England, uh, this New Orleans secondary that has been absolutely torched by Sam Bradford here tonight. Uh, there's absolutely no way that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady come into this game as unprepared as they did for last week's game against the Chiefs. Uh, there's going to be some mega scheming going on. Uh, it's going to be a huge, huge game for Brady. Uh, all of his receivers are in play. The running game's in play. Um, the defense is bound to be improved, too, so I think that's only going to to help them produce big, big numbers in this game. I don't know that the defense will be improved, but, and believe it or not, again, people, we don't talk about who we're picking. We don't let each other know. I have Brady also, and I think the defense being a sieve could help them because then they have to put up more points. Uh, but I like Brady in a bounce-back game, absolutely. Hey, they put up 27, 20, well, I can't remember. It's 27 or 28 points. It was Thursday night. I was on vacation. I can barely remember. <laughs> but anyway. We, they, both, we both were on vacation that night, but uh, I was on vacation in Kansas City, and needless to say, the uh, the people of the city were out in force cheering on the, uh, the Chiefs as uh, their team beat the evil Patriots in Foxborough. 27 points. Google is a wonderful thing. So, yeah, I mean, they still they scored 27 points. That's not like, you know, Scott Tolzien-led team. Anyway, okay, who are we staying away from? Well, as I mentioned, I think New England's defense is going to be improved for the second game because Bill Belichick won't let them not be. And that means I'm going to stay away from Drew Brees. Brees, uh, he's, right now he's missing his starting left tackle and his starting right tackle. One of them didn't suit up for tonight's game. One got hurt in tonight's game. He's getting a lot of pressure uh, on him from the Minnesota Vikings, and he hasn't done much of anything yet in this game. The team's got uh, six points so far, uh, two field goals. They haven't been able to score against a Vikings team that's got questionable secondary of their own beyond Xavier Rhodes. So I, I just don't think that New England – I don't think Belichick will allow New England's defense to get beat by Breeze. So you think Breeze is the guy that he tries to take away. Belichick always takes away one guy. Um, Breeze is not who I'm staying away from. I'm staying away from Cam. Um, week one, yeah, they won. They won handily. It just it doesn't look right. I think he's still rusty, and I'm staying away from him. I stay away from all high-priced quarterbacks, but I'm staying away from Cam. I, I can totally agree with that there. I think that uh, Buffalo's defense actually, I mean, it was against the Jets, but they looked a little bit better than I think a lot of people expected after some of the players they dealt off as well. 
All right, so let's see if we have the same. I have a feeling we will, but maybe not. Let's see. Who is your value play at quarterback? Well, I'm going to pick on the, the Colts once again with Carson Palmer. $6,000 on drafting, $7,500 on FanDuel. Uh, Indianapolis' secondary is still a steaming pile of caca. Uh, with no David Johnson potentially in their backfield, Palmer will be forced to air it out. Uh, he wasn't as bad as his final line showed this past week. Now, obviously, Palmer's not the Carson Palmer he was three or four years ago, but he still has a lot of weapons to throw to. And again, I feel they'll be forced to pass the ball. Indianapolis can't stop anyone right now. That's not a bad play. But I went cheaper. I've got to go cheaper. That's still not cheap enough. Um, and this is not based on his first week's performance. Um, but I'm going with Alex Smith. He's at home. He's coming off a great game in week one, right? Extra mm-hmm. time to prepare. Andy Reid against his former team, a team who has an Achilles heel in the secondary. Um, they lost Ronald Darby for, luckily, only four to six weeks. That dislocation that he suffered was gruesome, to say the least, if you saw it live like I did. They um, didn't want to show it on TV. <laughs> yeah, and I, saw, I mean, well, I saw it on TV when it happened, so I was able to DVR it and go back and take a look at it, and I knew instantly it was a break or a dislocation. Um, didn't need to hear that from the team or anything like that. It was that ugly looking. So the fact that he's out, it's not their strong suit in the secondary. I think Alex Smith and Tyreek Hill – and, you know, everything else about that offense does well this week. So I like Alex Smith as a value play. Well, you know, what? it's a lot of it's going to come down to how well Hill does, I think, because when we get to the tight end position, you may be surprised that uh, uh, the player that I'm avoiding is, in fact, Travis Kelsey against uh, a Philadelphia defense that's known for shutting down tight ends. But I digress from that because we're not skipping ahead to tight ends. We're going to go to running backs next. So who go. are you paying up for at running back? You know, I'm going to pay up for the rusty man, the tin man, Le'Veon Bell. Playing at home, it's just we're not going to see two clunkers two weeks in a row. So if I'm going to pay up, I'm paying up for Bell. Well, I'm going to pay up for uh, another guy who was a little bit rusty this past week, and that's Marshawn Lynch. You'll find us this season picking on the New York Jets a lot. It's deservingly so. They gave up 190 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown to the Bills last week. Lynch's price is only 6000 right now on DraftKings, 7200 on FanDuel. He's getting priced as if he still is basically a backup running back. He's not getting priced as, as the lead running back on a good offense. Take advantage of it now before his price tag gets a little closer to those upper echelon guys. Sounds like he should have been a value play for you then, not a pay-up. But that's okay. I'll let well, you have he's him not, a he's not low enough to be my value play. Okay. Who are you staying away from? I'm going to stay away from the guy I recommended last week, and that's LaShawn McCoy. Uh, his price tag is now up where it should be at 8600 in both sites. He appeared to hurt himself slightly at the end of the game, ended up seeding a touchdown run to Mike Tolbert. That kind of scares me because last year uh, he gave up a lot of touchdown looks to uh, Mr. Uh, Jonathan Williams. And now if Tolbert ends up being that same role this year, that could limit some of his touchdown production as well as, we were a little concerned going into last week whether or not Tyrod Taylor would play. He did. He performed okay. So as long as Taylor's back there, as long as Tolbert is back there, there's a chance that anytime they get near the end zone, McCoy could potentially lose a touchdown look. Okay. I'll tell you who I'm staying away from. I don't feel good about it, but I've got to stay away from somebody that's priced pretty high. I'm staying away from Zeke against Denver in Denver. Now, granted, the secondary is the strong point for that team. 
But Dak did not look good, so the the passing offense doesn't give me any faith that they're going to open up stuff for Zeke. And, you know, we we haven't had the luxury of seeing Denver play yet because, of course, while we're recording, that game is yet to kick off. Um, But I'm going to say I'm going to stay away from Zeke. Plus, we don't know. He could wind up being suspended still. Anything can happen in this uh, weird uh, world that we call the NFL. Yep. Who's your value play? I'm going to pick up uh, Jacquiz Rogers. His price tag is only 4,400 on DraftKings. It's a little bit higher at 6,600 on FanDuel. You know, Chicago's D has improved over last year. They got a lot of guys healthy in, in their run defense, particularly. They look decent against Atlanta on the ground. But you know what? They've also been known to play better as a team at home. This game is on the road down in Tampa. You know what? Last year, uh, Chicago allowed either 100 yards and or a touchdown to the running back position in six of eight road games. Uh, you know, even improved defense, I think Rodgers is still going to be 100 combo yards and probably a score. You know what? He is my value player B. I was going to say him, but I went cheaper by a few hundred dollars. Um, I'm going to go with the one-week wonder, Tariq Cohen. I think that we still see him have a large um, role in the passing game. I don't expect much from the running game, but I do expect him to catch, you know, six, seven balls, and he could be that 75 to 80 yards and possibly a touchdown. Strangely enough, there was a guy I wanted to go with here until I remembered that another player was due back from injury this week. Now, if something happens, League, if something happens and Thomas Rawls does not play next week for whatever given reason, that puts Chris Carson into play at 4,100 on DraftKings. He looked to be the most interested of a disinterested group of running backs in Seattle. And again, he's got something to prove, obviously. He's still young playing for the potential of getting some money down the line, hopefully. Uh, again, Lacey looks awful. Done. Lacey is done. Lacey was done. He still is done. <laughs> yep. uh, Carson is is perhaps the guy to own next week at that price tag. Although, again, Rawls is also kind of in that same boat. If either one of those guys plays, they're facing San Francisco. And San Francisco, again, their run defense is better than it was last year. It, it's still bottom third of the league. Yeah, and Reuben Foster's got an ankle injury he's dealing with, and Navarro Bowman looks stiff. Um, so, yeah, I can see that. I definitely can. Let's move on to wide receiver. Who are we paying up for? A wide receiver this week, I am going to pay up for Larry Fitzgerald. As part of that stack with Carson Palmer, uh, Fitzgerald's 6,500 on DraftKings, 6,600 on FanDuel. He's still the top option for Arizona. Uh, this week, uh, He's going to be the guy to go out there and really help embarrass Indianapolis. Okay. Well, I'm going to pay up, and I like that call. I'm going to pay up for Amari Cooper. I wanted to like him. Yeah, At home, he had a boatload of targets. Got in the red zone. He had a boatload of red zone targets for, for basically what he's seen in his first few years in the league. Um, so I like him a lot against a Jets defense that, like we just talked about earlier, is not good. There's actually a lot of good high-dollar wide receiver plays this week. So when you're putting your lineups together, you may think about devoting a little extra money to the wide receiver position. Maybe use a wide receiver as your flex on DraftKings and kind of spend a little less maybe at running back this week. There you go. I think that's wise. Who are you avoiding? Well, I'm going to avoid for the second straight week, Des Bryant. This week he gets to face Denver. Uh, it, it really goes from bad to worse for Des. I mean, last week, he was shadowed the entire game by Janoris Jenkins. Well, this week, eh, 
shake it off. You get to face Akib Talib. Yeah, and then if Talib goes out and they want to roll Chris Harris, Chris Harris, <laughs> I mean, come yeah, on. we'll just do that. It's yeah. just not fair. It's not fair to Des. Some, like, he should be out there crying and whining about having to line up against these good cornerbacks, right? Yeah. Well, guess what? Des was on my short list of who I was going to avoid this week, but I went with somebody priced higher. And you won't get hurt by playing him, but I'm avoiding Antonio Brown. At that price tag, I totally agree. That price tag, Xavier Rhodes, that's all you got to say. And I think that they do a little more to get Le'Veon Bell more into the game plan this week. So I think that that's why I say, you know what, for 9400 bucks, I'll go spend my money elsewhere. And and for people that that aren't as familiar with the Vikings, again, we're watching them right now, but uh, they are my team here in Minnesota. Xavier Rhodes will follow Antonio Brown around. So it's a matter of whether or not Antonio Brown – can get a mismatch against one of those subordinate uh, corners. Uh, but if he can't, if, if he's shadowed by Rhodes for the entire game, and it sounds like he will be, it, it's going to decrease his price, decrease his value, I should say, to the point where yeah, he might still get seven catches yeah. for 90-some yards. He might even score. But, again, not to that's that kind of his ceiling. Yeah. That's, not, that's not three times production. Yeah, five to seven catches – 70 to 90 some yards. I think you're right on with that, actually. So, who's your value play? Uh, value play this week is Marquise Lee. His price tag is 3,800 on DraftKings, 5,900 on FanDuel. You know, Tennessee allowed the most yards and the most receptions to the wide receiver position last year. This included a combined line of 33 catches, 432 yards and three touchdowns by Jacksonville wide receivers. A lot of that production went to Allen Robinson, who is done for the year. Uh, Last year, Robinson had 27 targets, 15 catches, and 217 receiving yards against Tennessee. A lot of that per-game production is going to go to Marquise Lee this week. Well, I had Lee on my short list, believe it or not. We're not not in lockstep this week, but a lot of the guys that we were both almost on together— I'm going to say my value play is Torrey Smith. Um, the Eagles seem to want to keep trying to get him some long shots. And with Kansas City losing Eric Berry for the season, um, granted he's a safety and he helped to be what kept Gronk under control, just the fact that they're losing such a leader in that secondary, I still think that while Torrey won't be you know, probably top three on the Eagles in targets, I think you're looking at Alshon and Ertz and maybe even Algalar there, but I do think that we see him wind up with a line of like three, four catches, 75 and a touch. It's interesting you mentioned him because uh, I almost considered Nelson Aguilar for the same thought pattern there with uh, Eric Berry being out, mainly because I think Berry typically will cover either the slot guy or uh, or the tight end uh, based on how the Chiefs would line up defensively. So I think that... Uh, Either Aguilar or Torrey Smith, whoever the subordinate or secondary receiver is this week, uh, will definitely have uh, a bit of an advantage. Yeah, just it doesn't matter who he's covering, honestly. Just the fact that they're losing that leadership. I hate that they lost him. Um, great story, and it's going to be a hard hit for that defense. We'll have to see what they can come up with. But if there's a week to attack him from the passing game, I think this is it. Uh, is this a chance for him to win the Comeback Player of the Year award yet again? Yes, it is. Actually, it is. Um, <laughs> and I won't be shocked if he does it. Um, let's move on to tight end. I think we're going to have the same pay up at tight end. Oh, you think so, huh? I okay. do. I do. 
Uh, I'm going to pay up for Hunter Henry. Oh, you're pulling my leg. Come on now. <laughs> 3600 <clears throat> on DraftKings, 5700 on FanDuel. I think his FanDuel price is a little high. That's why I'm considering him to pay up. Uh, Miami gave up six tight end scores over the last six weeks of last season. They also gave up scores to both Gates and Henry in their matchup last year. I'm thinking Gates is still involved. We haven't yet seen how the breakdown is going to be tonight, but I think the Henry is going to be the main factor this week. No, we don't have the same guy. I'm going for a quarterback tight end stack. I'm going for Gronk. (laughs) There's no way that Gronk doesn't get to take out some of that week one (laughs) frustration in week two against the Saints. I thought that was too obvious of an answer, so I didn't go that route. I mean, hey, if I'm going to pay up for a guy, that's who I'm going to pay up for at the tight end position. Who's your? Who are you staying away from? Well, I kind of hinted at earlier. It's Travis Kelsey. Philadelphia continues to keep tight ends in check. Uh, last season, they allowed the second fewest scores to the position. They allowed the fewest receptions, the fewest yards to the position last year. They just limited Jordan Reed to a line of five catches and 36 yards last week. Uh, Travis Kelsey is an incredible tight end, but even he is going to struggle against Philadelphia. So, you know what? In that same game, Zach Ertz, I almost made him my payout play. Um, But I did not. The guy I'm staying away from is Jordan Reed. Going on the road against the Rams, that defense is serious. Well, how how serious are they and how serious was the fact they're facing Scott Tolzien. No, Wade Phillips. That's all I'll say. Okay. <laughs> so Son of me, a bum. They, they have, yes, they've got athletic linebackers that can cover and take care of Reed. Um, not saying that, you know, they're going to hold Washington scoreless. I think they'll have trouble on the outside uh, with Terrell Pryor and maybe even, you know, with Jamison Crowder, if his hip ha- helps him to be a little bit better in week two than he was in week one. But I think that Jordan Reed has trouble down the middle of that defense. Well, and we talk about how good the Rams, whether the Rams' defense was that good or it was just the subject of the lack of offense by the other team. But they also played without, without arguably their best defensive player last week. No, arguably one of the, be- the best defensive player in the league, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if he comes back next week, as, as we have to assume he will, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Rams' defense is going to be just fine. And it's in, it's in L.A. That's the key for me. Washington has to go on the road after a really just gut-wrenching defeat at home against a division rival. So we'll see. Who's your um, value play at, at tight end? Well, I'm going to go with Ben Watson for the Baltimore Ravens against Cleveland. 2,600 on DraftKings, 4,800 on FanDuel. A little bit above the minimum in both sites, but virtually at the minimum range. Uh, Cleveland led the league in tight end touchdowns allowed last year. They continued that futility week one, allowing Jesse James to score twice against them. Last year, Baltimore's tight ends finished with a combined 18 receptions, 164 yards, and a touchdown in the two games against the Browns. Uh, Again, they might split some time there in, in terms of who catches the ball from the tight end position, but I think Watson is in line for a six or seven catch game, about 60 to 70 yards, and uh, I think he gets in the end zone this week. Okay. So I was, I was challenged to come up with a value play. I, was look, I looked at Jared Cook against the Jets. Nice, I thought about him as well. Good theme, right? Um, but then I decided to go a little bit lower and go to a guy that just has not lived up to expectations. 
through a season, and I'm going to guess two and a half quarters roughly, right? Colby Fleener. I believe that we see Fleener, especially with Hightower expected to be out, I believe, um, that's going to be one of Drew Brees' outlets against the Patriots. I think that Fleener has a solid game. Six, seven catches, 70, 80 yards, possibly a touchdown. Well, you know, I'm the guy who finds the ridiculous sleepers at tight end sometimes. So if you if you want to dig really, really deep, and if you put any faith at all in the L.A. Rams uh, offense, give uh, Tyler Higby a try this week going up against Washington. I think that there's a, a chance he gets into the end zone again. He's at bare minimum, so he's going to produce for you three times his production if he scores. Yep, absolutely. Um, okay, anything else in parting before we wrap up this DFS segment? No, I, I think we've, uh, again, get out there, put your money down, play some DFS games because you can't win if you don't play, right? That is true. So what else, what message do we want to give people as we head off into the sunset with a game and a quarter left in week one for week two. What kind of wisdom do we want to impart? Well, again, uh, I think it's a staple every single year. Don't overreact to week one. Uh, Don't waste your free agent budget on one guy because he had a huge week. Uh, Perhaps the one exception to that this year, I I still think Kenny Galladay is going to be pretty darn good. So I'm willing to throw a few bucks at him, but don't be surprised if he pulls a Frisman Jackson on you. Yeah, I don't think he'll pull a Frisman Jackson on us, but yes, I think that the best thing that we could tell you for week one is, again, don't overreact. Everything is not lost after one loss. Everything is Unless not... you drafted David Johnson. Will you stop? Or Allen Robinson. Stop, stop. Allen Robinson was a deal. It doesn't matter. You got him in fifth, sixth round, seventh I, round. I have both of those guys in one league, so... Okay. I got DJ. Um, anyway... Actually, in a 16-team IDP full dynasty league, I have had David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, Devontae Freeman, and LaShawn McCoy. And right before week one, I dealt Devontae Freeman so that I could try and shore up some other spots. And, of course, David Johnson goes out. Um, last year, I rode those three, those four guys, juggling them all season long. This year, I've said I'm not doing that. So, anyway, just don't overreact to week one. Um, trust what you did. Trust your eyes. Defense is better than offense right now. Things will come along. And, you know, that's all I can really say. Just well, remember, and, have fun. And to that extent, too, you're saying defense is better than offense. So those teams that looked good on offense, that means there's probably brighter things ahead for them in the future, too. That is possible. One last thing before I give you all the particulars. It's never as good as it seems, and it's never as bad as it seems. It's going to wind up somewhere in the middle. So... Except for us. Hopefully our show isn't like that. We always want to be on the top end of the scale. With that in mind, make sure you follow my man Harley at Nuclear Harley on Twitter. You can follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. Of course, if you're listening, hopefully it's on iTunes. If so, make sure that you rate and review us on there. And as always, get blitz responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>